0: Would you open your Bibles with me and turn to 1 John chapter 5? It has benefited me greatly, personally, to study this letter in order to teach it. um, Because it's a letter that I've always been familiar with, and I've always appreciated very much, and didn't really understand it until now. Um, I understood things that were said in it until now. Um, I think of my childhood, two of the first verses that were memorization verses were um, 1 John 1:9. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And 1 John 5.13, which is where we're starting today, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I've known those since I was a little boy. Um, And I don't think I understood either of them until I understand the context of the letter of 1 John. So John does some unique things today um, with the Greek language that really are light bulbs going off in my head as I look at these closing verses to this letter. So first of all, this letter didn't have chapters and verses till hundreds and hundreds of years after it was written. Um, And I'm grateful that it does. It allows us to pinpoint and cross-reference and do things more quickly. Um, But John is concluding this letter now, and he is... In the culmination, he is bringing everything together that he has taught us in this letter. So 1 John 5.13 is a letter that I had memorized as a child and as an adult until I was 32 years old that I understood that that verse was how I know. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I know, how do you know? 1 John five thirteen, And that's not what John is saying. So he is writing what really is a short letter compared to other letters in the Bible. And he has been explaining to us for four and a half chapters how to know God, how to know that you're His, how to know that you have eternal life, And how to know for sure in this life that you walk in the light with God. So it's not a verse that John is talking about. He's talking about 1 John. And one of the things that it points out to me is that when I look at this verse 13, and actually let's pray before we begin to do that. Heavenly Father, Um, Show each of us, um, as you help me and beyond me, what John is saying to us in these verses, in Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that helps me is insight to the Greek language with words that we have become familiar with. So what I was saying and what I was believing is actually correct but I was wrong and let me explain John says that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may oida. that you have eternal life he is not talking about intimate knowledge here he is not talking about experiential knowledge He is saying to us, literally, oida means, the definition of oida um, is, let's see, did I write it down in my notes? It is a very practical um, gaining of information, um, recognizing, acknowledging that something is true. So, what John is saying, literally, in verse 13, is I've written you these things, so that you can know what is true. So he has been explaining to us throughout this letter how to gnosko that we are his, how to intimately, assuredly, experientially know that we are his, know that we love him, know that we love one another, know that we're going to heaven, know that we're walking in the light in fellowship with God. So he is simply saying in this verse, I've written all this so that you have access to the knowledge of how to walk with God. And I have always oida that. I've always known the verses, the language, what it says. And at thirty two years old. I stepped into all five chapters. And now I know. I knew I, Oida, asked me a factual question about 1 John. I can help you with that. But until I loved one another, until I laid down my life for others, until I confessed my sins, until i stopped lying about my faith first john 1 i didn't gnosko god so in this verse john says i have written you information that you can know for sure that you are gods forever so You read in your notes there John chapter 20 verses 31 and 32 which are the end of the gospel portion of John. He meets with his disciples in chapter 21 but the gospel is concluded in chapter 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God And that by believing you may have life in his name so very similar John is saying there at the end of his gospel here's why I wrote what I wrote that your conclusion from the Gospel of John is that Jesus Savior of the world is the Messiah prophet priest and King and That he's the son of God, which to John, a Jew, is the equivalent of he is God. So we read in Colossians in Sunday School, we receive him as Kyrios, Lord, master, ruler. We acknowledge that he is Messiah, prophet, priest, and king. And we then are saved by him as Jesus, Lord of salvation. So... As we go back and do a quick flyover on the the book of 1 John, go back to chapter 1, John says, I have written these things so that you may know, so that you have the facts, so that you know what to do if, in fact, you want to follow God and you want to know Him and you want to know that you are His and you want to know that you are going to heaven. So you could probably use verses that I'm not using, and I'm using some of the verses you could use. Verse 6, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So in those two verses, the starting place is you can say... Um, I think I'm faithful enough. I think my life and and the accomplishments and the way I treat people is enough. And I think I'm all right in the eyes of God. John says, well, God would call that a liar. But here's what you can do. You can acknowledge him. You can, verse 9, confess your sins to him. You can repent and make him Lord, Colossians 2, 6. Romans 10, 9, and you can give him full authority in your life. And and I'm telling you right now, John says, you can walk literally in the light of Jesus Christ. Where there is no darkness, it doesn't exist. In chapter 2, these are the things that John is writing so that we know that we have the facts and we know how to walk with him. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3 we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands these are the things verse 13 of chapter 5 that he has written so that we can know and know here is ginosko we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands whoever says i know him but does not do what he commands is a liar just like chapter one And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So we're not going to spend a lot of time, but just soak in these things that John is saying in chapter 5. These are written down so you can have the truth. So you can yourself decide to follow God and you can know, Oida, that the truth about following God is that you can say, I know I have eternal life. So John is literally saying in chapter 5 and verse 13, Jim, you can know you have eternal life. Question, how do I really know that? He says so. What do you mean he says so? He says so in verse three of what we just read. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Well, 10 people know that that is true and they all feel a little bit different about the certainty of going to heaven. How can they all know he said so? Obey his commands. Tell people, I know. How do you know? because he says this and i do it that's how we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to christ chapter 2 and verse 15. this is another thing to know do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world love for the father is not in them there's no agape in a person who loves part of the world we just, Dave just read that in 2 Corinthians 6 in Sunday school. Verse 24 of chapter 2. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. In other words, do what has been said and you'll know. Chapter 2 and verse 3, verse 24. As for you, see that you have, what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. He explains that in John 15. If you obey my commands, you will remain in me and in my love. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Another gospel verse. Do what he says, you're in the Father, you're in the Son. Verse 25, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. That's not the verses that I heard growing up, but here's an eternal life verse. How How do you have eternal life? you remain faithful to Christ. And if you remain faithful to Christ, then you remain in Christ, and you remain in the Father, and you have eternal life. I write these things to you so that you may know. 1 John 5, 13. Drop down to verse 28 of chapter 2. And now, dear children, continue in him, same as remain, same as stay faithful, Continue in him so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. These are the things he is talking about in chapter 5 and verse 13. You can know, verse 29, if someone is a Christ follower because they do what he calls righteous. He is righteous, and his followers do what is righteous. Chapter 2 and verse 6, everyone who claims to live in him must live as he did. So, when we make the decision, I accept that for the rest of my life. Right in that moment, I am saved forever. John says, I'm writing this so you can know now forever that you are his And the things that I'm writing you are if you do what is right, if you remain in him, if you continue to be faithful, if you keep his commands, you can know that that decision was effective, that you are his and that you are on your way to heaven, eternal life, verse 29. Turn to chapter 3 and verse 3. More things that he has written so we can know the truth. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. They live like he lived, and by that they are purified. Verse four, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know, oida, the truth, that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So in the negative, how do I know that what happened when I prayed wasn't genuine? Life goes on just like it was before. That's the evidence. That's how I can know that I'm not his. I know by continuing, by remaining, by doing what he says, and I know that I'm not his if sometimes I do what he says, sometimes I do what I say. And that's not how to have, verse 28 of chapter 2, confidence of the day that we meet Christ at the Bema seat. Chapter 3, reading on, verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. Remember 2 Corinthians 5. He exchanges his righteousness for our sin and he puts righteousness on our account. How can you know that, 1 John 3, 7? Because they do what is right. It's not complicated. So... Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. Chapter 2 and verse 6. Verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one, and here's the ultimate reason we can't go on unchanged, no one who is born of god will continue to sin because god's seed the holy spirit remains in them they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of god if someone continually struggles with sin john is saying they have not been born again verse 10 this is how we know who the true who the children of god are And who the children of the devil are who are children of the devil all of us until we give our life to Christ anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister for this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another that's the ultimate Evidence, the sacrifice that um, was talked about in Sunday school. Turn to um, verse, let's see, drop down to verse um, 23. This is his command to believe in the name. This is what he's talking about in chapter 5, verse 13. And John chapter um, 20, verse 32 This is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Do you see how those two commands become one? And the evidence is the loving one another. Verse 24, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know, Gnosko, that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. What does the Spirit say to us when we follow Christ? You're His. His Father is your Abba. Chapter 4, let's read verses 7 and 8. These are the things He wrote so that we can know that we have eternal life. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves... Agapao, Agapao, has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You can't be in his light without being in his love and you can't be in his love without loving others. Um, Drop down to verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God's love in us God's love is in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us, he has given us his spirit. So he is describing that the Holy Spirit testifies when we love one another in verse 12 that we can know that we are his. Drop down to, um, actually let's just keep reading there, verse 13, this is how we know we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Drop down to verse 21 of chapter 4. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So if we lay down our lives for each other, which is necessary to love God... We love one another, and the Holy Spirit testifies that we are His. The first four verses of chapter 5, more things that He has written. Verse 13, so that we can know. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the, the one who is our prophet, our priest, and our king, is born of God. And everyone who lives in the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. That's how we know. Verse 3, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, and it's actually literally even our faithfulness overcomes the world our keeping his commands our loving one another is the victory of the world drop down to verse um, 11 where he is capsulizing the whole book of john leading into verse 13 and this is the testimony this is the testimony god has given us eternal life and this life is in his son whoever has the son has life Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things, all of the things that we have just read, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So John has extensively, more than any other book in the Bible, in a short amount of time said, here's how you know you're his. Here's how you know you're going to heaven. Here's how you know that you've crossed from death into life. The Holy Spirit testifies it in you. How does he do that? I obey his commands. I remain faithful. I continue to remain faithful. I love him by loving others. And when I'm doing all of that, the Holy Spirit says, you're his, you're his, you're his. So in verse 13, John is saying, I've given you an exhaustive explanation of how you can know that you have eternal life. And see, growing up, it was all found in that verse. I believe 1 John five thirteen. I didn't understand that John was saying all of those things that you have been studying in the last month are the full explanation of knowing how to know that you are His. Reading on verse 14, 1 John 5:14. This is the confidence, and we will not leave everything that we have just studied going forward. We just read: this is how we are confident before God. So John says here: this is how. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So both times there, the word know is oida. So John is assuming that we've read our scriptures, that we know that, if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. The word "hears" there is a kind of a, a complicated one in the Greek. Um, the word for "hear" is akuo, um, to hear, to pay attention, to obey. That's what that word means. The closest word to that in Hebrew is shaba. You know where that word shows up. When God asks Solomon, what do you want me to give you? He says, give me a discerning heart. Shaba means to pay attention and to obey, to understand. So this word, akuo, here is a response. In other words, God who is omniscient, right? He is omnipotent. It is just mind-boggling to think that every sound everywhere in the Milky Way galaxy and every other galaxy, he hears it. But Akuo is, he responds. If we ask anything according to his will, he responds. And if we know that he responds when we ask according to his will we know that we have what we've asked of him so we're going to get into some more difficult things in this chapter there is god who is omniscient he's not only omniscient that he knows everything and he knows if your prayer is genuine he can know for there let's put things in three of the categories um Lord, bless me throughout my day in my subconsciousness. I'm going to do what I always do on the way that I want to do it. Lord, bless my day. Not according to his will. Lord, I pray for so-and-so that in this terrible trial that they are in, if it be your will that you would deliver them. An omniscient God knows if it is according to his will to deliver him or to use him without delivering him. So that will come up as we go further into this chapter. Lord, I am asking you to help me to grow into the knowledge of your son today, and I'm going to sit down and purposefully do that. No questions asked. There he is. He's going to help you do it. So there are different levels to this example. A friend, just using my imagination a little bit, a friend of Ananias has noticed he's not quite telling the truth all the time. Because I don't think standing before Peter, saying, yes, Peter, this is the full amount. I don't think it's possible that that's the first time that Ananias struggled. Lord, help my dear friend Ananias. I've spoken to him. He ignores me. Please, Lord, help him to repent. And Lord, watch over him today. Preserve his life if you are willing. Not my will, but I acknowledge your prayer and its sincerity. Lord, I, I am so inspired by this young man, Stephen, that I could see how you could use him the next 50 years. Lord, don't let anything happen to him if it's your will. It's not my will. Because his death will mean that the gospel gets to Mendota, Illinois. So I appreciate your sincerity. I am listening. And I've answered your prayer. Not my will to do that. So there are a variety of things when we come before an omniscient God wrong to pray that about stephen absolutely not wrong to pray for ananias that way absolutely not wrong to pray for mark morris that he is delivered from cancer absolutely not wrong to pray any of those examples without your will be done yeah those are unknowables um So we want God's will in every situation. We have to genuinely want that. And John says that if we're in his will when we pray, we've got his attention. You know when Jesus uses that word, akuo? He says, whoever has ears, let them akuo, what the Spirit says to the churches. So he writes letters to seven churches, Jesus does. You know how many times he he says that exact statement? Seven times. Whoever has ears can hear my voice. Let them, akuo, listen to me. Listening um, and God hearing here um, is a responsive attitude. So we read those two verses again. Verse fourteen. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, some things I know are, some things I know are not, some things I'm not sure, and each time, Lord, your will be done. We know that he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Turn to John chapter 15. as he is explaining this to his disciples, including John. So you listen well, because I'm not going to stay here long, and I'm going to read some verses in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. If you remain, familiar word, right? Um, we just read it in First John. That's how we know. So, verse five: Remain in me. Verse six: Remain in me. Verse seven: If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. First John five fourteen and fifteen. Verse eight: This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, there it is, fourth time, in my love. If you keep my commands, 1 John 2, 3, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this, good news, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete." my my command is this love each other as i have loved you first john three sixteen. verse 13 greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends love one another verse 14 you are my friends how if you do what i command i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command love each other. John is giving us a a recount of what Jesus taught us. Turn to Romans chapter 8 as we, we sang some of these verses a few moments ago. And these verses are so intertwined together and we can miss that because there's a lot of individual verses that we know here. But they tie together. So verse 22 of Romans 8. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Verse 24 For in this hope, this promise of a glorified body in heaven with Christ forever, um, for in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way that we are groaning for the return of Christ, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts and minds knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we're familiar with verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps me when I just don't know what to say. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying the Holy Spirit knows God's heart. He knows God's mind and he knows God's will. He knows your heart and your confusion and your uncertainty. And he wants to bring those together to find the will of God. Why? Why? Because if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Why? Because if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We don't need to find the right prayer. We need to find the right place. What is your will in this? If we find that, if he would speak to us, he'd say, now pray and I give it to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't make my confusion a more eloquent prayer. He makes my confusion at his will. And from there, I am ready to pray um, reading on verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, his will, his plan. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he goes on to say... He didn't spare His Son. He is for you. He wants to bring you in line with His purpose so He can show you how amazing He really is. And that's what John is explaining. Turn back to 1 John as we read on. Similarly, As we come into verse 16, we don't leave verses 14 and 15 behind. This all comes together. Verse 16. If you see a brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray that God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. So again, we we step into an arena that is searching for his will. We enter that arena with an omniscient God, knows all, knows what's best knows what his will is, so far above what I know, that it is, Isaiah says, higher than the heavens are above the earth is his will and his plan and his understanding above mine. So we step into that arena. So we can use Ananias and Sapphira in this example. We can say, A, that it wouldn't be wrong to pray for them. Um, We should pray that they, maybe before Acts chapter 5, that they would repent that they would rethink what they're about to do, that they would get down on their knees and say, God, this is all yours, and I just about decided to give what was yours in a way that made it be mine. I repent. So John says two things here. He says, pray for the one who has fallen into sin that it will not lead to death, that they will repent. And John says, I'm not asking you to pray for the one that's going to die, that they shouldn't die, but we are limited. We wouldn't know what Ananias and Sapphira were going to decide. We wouldn't know if others in the Bible who were struck down, as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we would pray, let me ask this question. If we took all the possibilities of someone in this congregation falling into all the realm possibilities of sins, which one should we pray for? All of them. It is possible, including me, that I could say, I represent Jesus, I represent Jesus, I represent Jesus, and I fall into a sin that says to the world, really? And God could say to me, like in your notes there in Revelation three fifteen and 16, this is Jesus speaking, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. He's describing a Christian who says, I'm a Christian. And they live worldly. And he is saying, either be quiet or live for me or I will spit you out of my mouth. See, it's not about what the world thinks of Jim McDowell. The world would see it that way, and I have to recognize it that way because it matters if I say I represent Christ. But it's about him. It isn't Jim McDowell that gets hurt when the world sees a Hippocratic Christian. It's him. So Jesus is saying to Laodicea, if you're going to live like that, Don't tell people you follow me. What I would really like you to do is live for me. Be hot. Represent me with your actions and your words and I can use you. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, this is in the church in Corinth where there's The church is a mess, and it's beneficial to us that they were in a sense that it teaches us. So in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick. People are literally physically ill in Corinth because they're disrespecting Christ. And a number of you have fallen asleep. That means they died. Verse 31. But if you were more discerning with regard to ourselves, if we were, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. These people aren't going to hell. They are Christ followers. And they are so disrespecting the name of Christ that some of them are in beds. They're sick. Maybe in hospitals. And some of them have continued to disrespect him. So, as he would say in Revelations 3, 15 and 16, he spit them out of his mouth. If you're going to continually say in Corinth, I follow Jesus Christ, and in their case, in their church, rich people were doing very well and poor people were going hungry. That's part of the example. Some people were coming to church drunk. There's a man in this church that is sleeping with his mother. And if, in fact, there is any of those people that did repent, did give their life to Christ, and are following Christ, and refuse to repent, they will fall asleep, Paul says. If there is no benefit for you in this world to represent me, then you won't be in this world. Um, Turn to Galatians chapter six. What is the goal? Pray for which of them? All of them. What is the goal? To be reconciled, both to God and to the church and to each other. When is that the goal? a hundred percent of the time. What happens if people refuse and refuse and refuse? Paul says, hand them over to Satan. Paul describes that people ultimately die if they only hurt the testimony about Christ. So in Galatians chapter six, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I'm just as capable of sin as you are. I would hope that if this is reversed, you would do the same for me, but I'm gonna take your arm, I'm gonna go into God's word, and we're gonna walk out of this sin together. Verse two, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So there is a dual standard here that God has walk your own path, do your share, each ligament doing its part, verse 5. And there's also the reality that part of your part is if a brother falls, if a sister falls, You go to them. You be careful that you yourself don't fall into that sin and into the sin of, I'm the righteous one, you're the sinner. Both of those are sins. So you go with a loving heart and a loving attitude that I love you too much, as casting crowns would say, to just say nothing. I will walk with you out of this, and I pray that you would do the same for me one day, Paul says. Turn to James chapter 5. Similar advice. Coming through two letters, which are probably the first two letters written in the New Testament Galatians and James. And this is obviously important enough to be in both of the first two letters. James chapter 5, verse 16. therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the healing talked about here when the elders come and lay hands is sin so that verse again therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective Do you knows the, the the prayer of this righteous person has to be an action that you have to come together, that you have to confess, that you have to pray, that you have to walk out of the sin. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Why are you telling this, James? Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, And someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover them from a multitude of sins. So there is a sin that leads to death. But if you're able to go to that person and pray and bring them back, you're actually sparing them from death. Who dies? 100% of people. So... The death that he is talking about is physical, where God, whether it's Revelation 3, 1 John 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, or here in James, that God never wants to say, enough, come home. And that's the responsibility of more than that person. I would dare say that if that happened here, it would probably be both the fault of the person who fell into sin and the faults of the people who didn't come alongside. James pronounces a blessing in the last verse of the book of James to the person who will say, I love you. I'll walk with you. We're stepping out of this in Jesus' name together. And if you do that, you are... Fulfilling the law of Christ, the Apostle Paul says as we go back to First John. Verse 18, we know, and this is oida, each of these we know so far has been because I've just written all this down and I've given you this letter. So we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. There's multiple references in this letter that say exactly that. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. The Holy Spirit, chapter 3, verse 9, is what he's talking about. And the evil one cannot harm them. They have to go through Christ to get to that person, and Christ will take care of that. Verse 19, We know, we oida, we have the information now, it's been given to us, that we are children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So chapter 2, verse 15, that love for any part of the world means that you don't have the love of the Father in you. Verse 20, we know, oida, we have it written down, we just studied it we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may gnosko Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God of eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. So at the end of this, John does what God the Father does. He elevates the Son. We are in the Father and we are in the Son and we want everyone to know in leaving this letter that the true God of eternal life, the two Theos, the two curios, the two Savior of the world, Messiah, Lord of lords is Jesus. Does the Bible ever say that Jesus is God? There's one of the clearest places. He's the true God of eternal life. He's the only God that offers in any religion eternal life that you can receive and know now. So he's not just the one to believe. He's the only one that says it. He's the only one that offers it. He's the only one that hung on a cross. He's the only one that created everything. And from his throne, he says, if I am your Lord, I will save you. I will give you eternal life. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will keep the devil from you. I will watch over you in this world. Nothing will harm you in the light. Nothing will hurt you if you walk with me that I don't oversee and decide myself. And the things that happen in your life, if you walk with me, will only be the will of the Father. And when you meet me in heaven, you will realize then that all of those things are the only things that matter. And John says, just like the closing of the Gospel of John, the true God of salvation, there's only one. His name is Jesus walk with him Heavenly Father thank you for this letter thank you personally for the things that you opened my eyes to that I that I carried understanding from this letter before that I did not fully comprehend I know that I don't fully comprehend it now But thank you for helping me learn. Thank you for helping us learn. In Jesus' name, amen.